Today we're in part four of our series that we're calling In the Meantime. In those times when you are suffering, in those times when you are stuck, in those times when you feel like you're stranded on an island and nobody's coming to help, in those in-between times, what do you do until God answers? You're praying, you're saying, God, I need help, God, I'm stuck. God, I don't know what to do. God, I need provision. You're praying, you're trusting. But in the meantime, until God answers, the question we've been asking is simply this. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Some of you that have been around a while, you know Shirley and I's story, but I'm going to share a little bit with you. We were a good-looking couple at one time. I kind of have the, the Matt Vargo junior high pastor look going on right there. <laughs> but in 1982, uh, about when that picture was taken, Shirley and I were co-pastors in a church in western Kansas. And we were enjoying ministry. We were enjoying life in that church. The people of the church were awesome. We were enjoying Scott, our son, at about age two right there. And we were excited to expand our family. And we became pregnant with child number two. But also in 1982... It became a year when we felt like we were stranded and stuck and hurting. Because in 1982, we miscarried child number two at four and a half months. Nothing we could do. And then in 1983, we're still pastors at the same church. We're enjoying our ministry, but life was getting harder. Enjoying our son, enjoying the people of the church, enjoying the ministry but desperately wanting another child. And so we became pregnant with child number three. But then again, after four and a half months, we miscarried. And after the miscarriage, in this hospital where we were, uh, Shirley began to hemorrhage. But she began to hemorrhage right in the middle of a shift change. So no doctors, no nurses were coming into the hospital. And I just happened to look under the sheet, and as Shirley was fading away and could no longer respond, and I went out running to the hallway and yelling for doctors and nurses, and very close to death. Didn't know if I was going to leave the hospital with a wife or not. And after that, we were told that we'd not be able to have any more children. Nothing we could do. So back-to-back -back miscarriages, both four and a half months, no, you can't have any more kids. And so at that point, I found myself crying out to God. God, we've dedicated our lives to you. We've given our whole lives to serve you. We're seeking you. We're following you. Why in the world are you letting this happen to us? We are your servants. Well, at the very same time, as pastors of this church, we had to continue on. We had to continue preaching and teaching and caring for others that were going through hard stuff, and it, it got hard. So there we were. We were hurting over our own stuff, and we were stuck emotionally, and yet we had to show up to church and lead and serve and care for others when our emotions were so shot. And at the same time, my parents were going through a really tough time in their marriage, and they were coming to their pastor's son for counsel. At the same time, 
our church decided to ask the senior pastor to resign and ask me to take over. At the very same time, I was feeling God calling me to start a new church, to leave that church and start a new church. At the same time, I was being asked to come and pastor a church in Whittier, California. And so if you set all of that up at the same time, this was not only a hard time for Shirley and I, but it was a confusing time. So there we were now in 1983, personally in pain, dealing with a church in confusion, dealing with an unknown future concerning could we have more family or not, the doctors say no, concerning our ministry, should we stay, should we go? So in 1983, we had many parts of our life in a, in a big mess, and there was nothing we could do. So in the meantime, while we waited for God to answer, we were praying our hearts out, we're being faithful to keep serving God, but we felt stranded, without hope, in pain, for an entire year. And we just kept trying to be faithful as we went through that year. Suddenly, in 1984, we were blessed with a fourth pregnancy. Totally shocked us. So we were blessed, but then we were nervous. Was this one going to last? We were blessed with a clear direction to move and pastor in, in California, so we moved. We were then blessed with a beautiful baby girl that we named Sherry. And then right after that, 18 months later, we were blessed with a beautiful baby girl named Leanne, who's here today. Everybody welcome Leanne. (laughs) By the way, it's not a part of the message, but seven years ago today, right here in this church, they were married. This is their anniversary today. (laughs) So congratulations, guys. And then in 1985, uh, we were a year into pastoring in Whittier, California, And we were enjoying family and our ministry, but suddenly, I lost 50% of my hearing in my left ear. And as we were in fellowship time and out in the courtyards and and drinking coffee and everybody thought, our new pastor, man, he's quite a snob. He he won't answer me. He won't respond to me. I never heard him. (laughs) And and so I went into quite an extensive surgery to have that hearing corrected, and, and, and we were able to do that. But at that same time, I was feeling stretched with my new young family, two new baby girls, first senior pastorate at the age of 30 in a brand new state that was way different than Kansas and Iowa, new culture. I was swimming in debt due to changing states and changing tax codes. And so suddenly I was dealing with crippling anxiety and panic attacks trying to be the best new daddy I could be, the the best new pastor I could be. And at that point, again, I cried out to God and said, God, I've dedicated my life to you. I'm following you. I'm seeking you. Why? (laughs) Why are you letting this happen to me, to us? We're your servants. And so finally, after months of dealing with panic attacks, I went to a Christian psychologist, and I sought help. And I had to admit before I could ever do that that I was sick and that I couldn't fix myself. And that's hard for pastors to do. We we talk with lots of folks all the time, but it's hard for pastors to say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know, I can't, I'm not wired to, to deal with this. I deal with everybody else's stuff, but 
I had to admit that I was sick and give myself permission to go. And I just remember thinking, now this church just think they got this hot new young couple to be their pastors here in Whittier. And I can barely get on stage and, and share the message. I, I'm so full of fear, all I want to do is run. You know, either the fight or the flight kicks in, and it was a flight with me. And I, I just wanted to run. And so I was in this place called In the Meantime Until God Answers. But I want you to know that in the meantime, God met me and strengthened me and used me and gave success to me. In the meantime, God displayed power in me and through me. In the meantime, with all of that stuff going on, God taught me to rely on Him, not my own abilities. In the meantime, God blessed me with more of an intimate relationship with Him. And it was at this point when I was so listening closely to God that God called me to come to Yorba Linda and start Canyon Hills. And I said, God, are you kidding? I barely can't even get on stage. It's all I can do to even walk into my office. The panic was so intense. And today, as I look back, I can say that all of the pain, all of the loss, all the questioning was worth it. Because it taught me to persevere. It taught me to be faithful no matter what. And it took me to a place where I learned to better hear my Lord's voice. And to better experience His presence and His power in me. And without all of that, I would have never been ready to come start this church. So listen really close. God allowing me to experience and have to live with some pain. You know, he didn't remove the Apostle Paul's thorn, did he? And so he let me live with a thorn with some pain. But allowing me to live with some pain and his choosing to not remove all of my pain, I want you to know brought more blessing into my life than I ever could have imagined. Now, God didn't change my situations. But he did change my living arrangement with him. Amen? Amen? He moved so very close to me. And I moved so very close to him. And I would not trade the relationship I have with him today for anything in this world. He's so very present in me and with me. In every situation. He meets me. He talks with me. He enables me to do things far beyond me. And he uses me. So listen. Every ounce of pain is worth. Being in this kind of relationship with God. I have learned I can do all things through the Christ. Who dwells in me. Not because of my skills or my talents or my own perseverance, but because the Christ strengthens me. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. And all of that prepared Shirley and I for more recent tough times, like losing parents. Or when I heard from Shirley when I was 8,000 miles away in the country of Thailand, Larry, they've just told me I've got cancer. 
The Lord prepared us for that. And so the question is, what do you do when you find that your life has taken a turn for the worse? What do you do when you are stranded until that moment that God meets you and answers? What do you do when there's nothing that you can do? Well, throughout a hall of history, followers of God have also had things go wrong. Throughout all of Christian history, followers of God have gone to God and said to God, God, what's the deal? What's going on? We're serving you. What's going on? One day, the disciples came across a man who was blind. And that's what they did. They said, Jesus, what's going on? And so for the rest of this morning, let's unpack John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I told you Philippians, I know, but I meant John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Look at this. The Bible says, as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Write this down. In the meantime, when you don't understand, ask God to explain. You know what? That's okay. Sometimes we don't think it's okay to ask our sovereign God, God, I don't get it. God, explain to me, why are we going through this? But that's okay. It's okay to ask God to explain. The Bible says as Jesus went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So the disciples asked God, who sinned? I want to know whose sin caused this man to be born blind. Who's to blame for this man's blindness? Why is this happening to this man? So there the disciples are questioning God in the flesh. And immediately the disciples, what did they do? When they saw the blind man, they focused on what was wrong in his life, his blindness. Just like we focus on what's going wrong in our lives. How many of you ever sit around and write down on a piece of paper all the blessings God's given you? <laughs> Some of you do. How many of you have a bigger list of all the wrongs? <laughs> Just thinking about the wrongs, complaining to God about the wrongs. That's a natural reaction to focus on what's wrong. I mean, I focused on what was going wrong in my life. And because I did, I, was, I failed to focus on those that were responding in my ministry. I failed to focus on those that were accepting Christ as Savior. I failed to focus on those who, who had just made a breakthrough in their lives because of my ministry. I failed to focus on the great place that God had placed me to minister. I failed to focus on what a great strong wife and partner in ministry that God had given me. All I could see was the wrong, wrong, wrong. And here the disciples are so focused on the wrong, they asked Jesus to explain why this bad thing was happening to this man. And Jesus said, nobody sinned. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
So it's like he's saying, guys, you're focused only on what's wrong. But what happened, this happened so that the world can see God working in him. So that the world can see something very good and very right. The works of God in him and through this man in spite of his blindness. This happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him in the meantime. So write this down. In the meantime, until God answers, expect God's works to be displayed in you, in your life. Expect God to do something spectacular in you and through you. Look at this scripture again. As Jesus went along, he saw the blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Folks, instead of being so focused on your wrong, like your finances or your marriage or your health battle, be focused on your God being on display in your situation so that the world can see him. Amen? Amen. So that the world can see him. Now, it's completely possible that God is on display in your situation and you just don't know it, you don't notice it, you don't see it. But the world around you is seeing him big time as you go through your hard stuff and yet you keep loving God, you keep worshiping God, you keep serving God. You keep, you keep doing all you can to honor him and worship him. And they say, how in the world, knowing what they're going through, that they do this? And they see God displayed. They see God giving you strength beyond your own, perseverance beyond your own. They see God carrying you through the hard stuff. So at one point, I thought losing two babies and having panic attacks were the worst things that could ever happen to me. God, you've called me to announce and dedicate babies as a pastor. How can I get up and do that in genuine joy when we just lost two? God, you've called me to stand in front of people and preach your word, but how can I do that with panic attacks? But God taught me to focus on him. He taught me to lean on him. He taught me to focus on what is right, not just all that's wrong. And to focus on the fact that he can bring good out of the bad that comes into my life. So write this one down. In the meantime, trust God to make your wrongs okay. That's a big theological word, amen? (laughs) Trust God to make your wrongs okay. Because not only can he, he will. And that's exactly what he did in my life and he'll do it in your life. I can't tell you how many times, it's countless, that God used our miscarriages for us to come alongside people experiencing the same thing and minister into their lives. I can't tell you how many times my physical challenge with my loss of hearing and my shortness, no, not really, (laughs) how God has used that to allow me to minister into people's situations. I can't tell you how many times my panic attacks has allowed me to minister to people having the same situation. God allowed me to experience his personal touch and power and enabling through it all, in it all. Now look at what Jesus did. The Bible goes on and says, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, put it on the man's eyes, 
Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. In this passage of Scripture, the obvious wrong, the obvious hurt and pain in the blind man's life was healed. The physical wrong in his life was fixed by God. And the work of God was displayed for all to see. But that brings up a question in my heart and mind. Before he was physically healed, what if God's works were already being displayed in this blind man's life? We're not told in Scripture, but what if this man was already trusting and following God? What if this man was doing what he could for God in spite of his blindness? What if God's works were on display in his attitude, in his talk, in his walk, in his heart for others, right there in the midst of all the wrong in his life? What if? What could it do in other people's lives if they saw you dealing with what you're dealing with, focusing on all that is right in your life instead of all that is wrong in your life? Could it inspire others to seek and draw closer to God, the God that you serve, all because they can see the the strength that he's giving you to persevere? I believe so. In fact, I know so. They will see your wrongs still going on, but they'll see that the God who is present in your life is strengthening your life. And they will see His presence in your life, His involvement in your life. And they'll begin to consider, do I need this God? So sometimes, in the meantime, I believe God is saying this. I know this hurts. And this thing that you're going through has the potential of breaking your heart. I know this has a potential to cause you to worry and not sleep. I know this has the potential to make your knees buckle just thinking about it. But I will be on display. And I'll make something right. Come from your wrong. Folks, God can do that. And God will do that. So instead of focusing on what is wrong, focus on what is right. And then trust God to make the wrongs okay. I like to say it this way. Trust God to make something beautiful from your terrible. Amen? Amen. Trust sovereign God to make your terrible beautiful. The Bible says this, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. And a lot of times we think, oh, that's just talking about the heavenly experience when we get to be with God in heaven. But it also applies to here and now. So as we end this morning, I'd like for you, when I say a phrase, to repeat it after me. I want you to leave here with this echoing in your heart and mind. So here we go. Are you ready? We're not going to do a really weenie thing, are we? We're going to do it big, right? Okay. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined. What God has prepared. 
for those who love him. That's right. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what our God has prepared for those who love him. So in the meantime, ask God to explain. That's okay. Ask him. In your meantime, expect God's works to be displayed in you and through you. In the meantime, trust God to make the wrongs okay in you and through you. Let's pray. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. But as I pray, would you, would you pray this? Consider praying this in your heart. Would you repeat it in your heart after me? Father, I may not understand your plan for my life. I may not understand what you're doing in me and want to do through me. But on this day, I commit to trust you when I am stranded, when I am hurting. I commit to focus on the things that are going right. I commit to trust you to make something good come from the bad in my life. And in the meantime, I will keep pursuing you and trusting you. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.